We hold these truths to be self-evident. For enemies dare to strike us, they and all who have aided them will face fearful consequences. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The eyes of the world are upon you. You will bring about the destruction of the German war machine. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome over here. Hey, how you guys doing? My name is Robert Turkle. If you guys are new to the channel, welcome. Yes, we have now started this channel over here. If you guys don't know, if you guys listen to Spotify, you guys can actually watch these on YouTube. We were originally posting them on my, my main channel, but a lot of stuff's been going on with YouTube. So I've actually decided to, to nix it and actually put it on a separate channel. Not really for any other reason. I mean, you guys will find it here in, in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. But if you guys want to check it out, if you guys listen to Spotify and or Apple, you guys can go type in either Robert Turkle or Speak the Truth podcast or something like that and it will pop up so you guys can actually see it visually because a lot of the stuff that we talk on here there's some visual aspects to it and if you're just sitting at home and you'd like to enjoy looking at my beautiful face you can too so go ahead and subscribe to the channel if you're not already thank you so much tell you guys right now we're gonna start off a little bit of a funny piece i guess you'd say because it is somewhat ironic and moronic at the same time if you can have the two things at once kamala harris our oh so proud and mighty vice president that she is. She's been hiding for three weeks, but she finally came out from underneath her rock. Yes, that is that is right. She finally came out from underneath her, her little hidey hole, and she had to, uh, of course, talk about the situation down in South Texas. Can we just, let's just go ahead and play the video first. Go ahead and roll that sweet, succulent little video. What I saw depicted about um, those individuals on horseback treating human beings the way they were ah. horrible. And um, I fully support what is happening right now, which is a thorough investigation into exactly what is going on there. Um, but human beings should never be treated that way. And I'm deeply troubled about it. And I'll also be talking to Secretary Mayorkas today. About- so the ones on YouTube, you guys got to actually see the video. And the ones that are listening, of course, you just, you just heard it. So her body language clearly says she has no idea what's going on and or she doesn't really care. As we do know, she is literally supposed to be in charge of the border. That's what she was tasked with. You guys do not know this. <laughs> this is why it's really funny because she's going to launch a thorough investigation to find out what's going on down there, even though that she she is literally supposed to be in charge of what's going on at the border. So it is somewhat ironic and moronic at the exact, literally the exact same time. She's pretty much as about as useless as Joe Biden when it comes to certain things. Actually, just about everything. I don't know what she's done in office so far that's actually been useful. All right, so number two up, we got, uh, this is from the New York Post, and it's uh, just, just literally labeled border lie. Let's go take a quick little glance at this one. A majority of Americans blame President Biden for the border crisis. A new poll has now shown the administration is caught lying about the makeshift refugee camps underneath a D-Dale real bridge. I don't feel like I need to show any footage of that. Literally just imagine a bunch of people cutting down like small twigs and trees putting up their clothes on it and turning up the most makeshift version of LA underneath the bridge. It's pretty much what's going on. About two thirds of the 15,000 Haitians living in unsanitary conditions under the bridge have now moved out since Saturday as local authorities try to regain control. Just over 5,000 migrants remained yesterday afternoon. So they moved out a whole bunch of them. No idea really where they went, but apparently a lot of them actually made their way into the United States. An AP report based on an anonymous border source says that Haitians have been freed on a very, very large scale in recent days. They are given notices to appear at an immigration office within 60 days. But if they don't show up, we know they simply melt into the shadows, which is very, very true. What, I mean, where are they going to go? 
You think they're really going to show up at to their hearing in 60 days? We just willy-nilly, hey, just come on in. You know what? Just You don't need a vaccination, though. Hey, you do not need it. Just dump them off. That's what they've been doing. Large amounts, large scales. Jen Psaki said Wednesday that 90,000 illegal immigrants, or excuse me, illegal migrants have deported in August, but officially 208,000 crossed the border last month. So that's 57% who were not sent home but dispersed around the country. So that's, that's what is that, a little over 100,000 that are just walking around taking American jobs, causing American taxpayers even more money. For what reason? I did go on to read a whole bunch of stuff earlier uh, this morning. It almost seems somewhat like a conspiracy theory. I didn't want to put it on here. <clears throat> so I'll just bring it up for a second. But they were talking about how Joe Biden is allowing different ethnic groups to come in to make whites the minority in the country so then they can switch around the, the whole politics of this country. It seemed a lot like a conspiracy theory. So I was like, you know what? I'm not really going to put this, not even going to talk about it. This is not that. What's that one weird guy that like talks about frogs? And What's that guy's name? Alex Jones? Yeah. This, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be the guy that's like bringing up some random conspiracy theories because it kind of like makes you kind of look like an idiot and it's untrustworthy. So a lot of people are asking, why, why are the Haitians even coming to us? If you guys are not really into this whole border thing, don't worry. This is going to be the last piece, but I thought it was pretty important to put it in here because there could be new people that don't really know what's going on. They're like, you know, let's tune in and actually kind of figure out what's going on down there at the border. This will take one second. But if you guys want to know, this is actually from CNN. So it's it's reliable as it can be. How big is the surge? Okay, the numbers are incredible. This is actually pretty, pretty crazy. So it went from 400 uh, to 14,000 in just a couple of days, as you guys do know. And then more could be on the way. Uh, this is from CNN that's, that's stating there are up to 30,000 Haitians now in Colombia that are seeking to travel north. And the department is actually tracking, excuse me, 40 to 60,000 Haitians in the hemisphere that might possibly looking to actually come to the United States as well, which is kind of weird. But recently, Mexico actually just stopped uh, buses of Haitians coming north. I don't really understand. A lot of people think that they're, they're coming here because of what's going on. A lot of people don't realize they're, they're actually Haitians that have been out of the country for many of years, which we're going to find out here in a second. So many of those that are arriving at the U.S. border now had left Haiti long ago and were either living and or staying in the Central and South American countries from Guatemala to Chile. They're not leaving Haiti now. They've been gone for quite a long time. CNN has talked to a 26-year-old, uh, Jameson Tylus. He fled Haiti years ago and was assaulted in his home and his aunt was shot at. Okay, that's terrible. I mean, it happens here in America as well. In Chile, he's been in Chile since 2015. He wants to join his brother and uncles and cousin who are in U.S. currently and his friends and his family, whatever. They've actually actually came up to the border in Del Rio with his wife and his five-year-old daughter and their three-year-old son. They started this journey two months ago, he said. He says he's 26-year-old and he doesn't have a profession. They go on here and say that his voice is breaking. He says, I was doing very badly and I wanted a better life. There's a lot of people in America. See, this is the thing that people don't realize. There's a lot of people in America that have the same exact situation as this guy. 26-year-olds in America with a wife and a five-year-old who are doing terribly. Okay. that's. I mean, it ha- it's all over the world. I mean, I, I myself was in a good position in my life in the, at the 26. I think 26 sort of started like turning myself back around. There's a lot of people that do that aren't right till 26. It doesn't mean you got to come flock to America and seek what they quote unquote asylum. It's not seeking asylum if you're coming from another country that you've been in for five or six years that you don't need to seek asylum from. That's why when they're when they keep talking about the politicians keep talking about they're seeking asylum, they're not asylum seekers because they're coming literally from Chile or Brazil or somewhere else. They're not coming from Haiti. Yes, they might be Haitians, but they're not coming from Haiti. So there you go. We're not going to beat a dead horse there. We're just going to move on from that one. 
because that's pretty much pretty much over with, done and over with. I, I mean, I'm done and over with talking about it because we're not going to be able to do anything about it through this podcast, but I'm just going to shed some light on it. So if you guys didn't know, I think it was yesterday I brought this up. I was talking about military and, and, and vaccines and how people, if you're in the military, they might give you uh, honor, other than honorable or, they're not, or dishonorable or whatnot. They, they're not going to give you an honorable. So it actually came out uh, 14 hours ago. The White House opposes a provision that banning dishonorable discharge from COVID-19 uh, vaccine refusals. With that being said, I was kind of right. And it's somewhat ironic that it came out literally like 12 hours after I had stated it. Not what, not even, yeah, but 12 hours. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I had no idea that we we're going to talk about it. Just kind of lucky. But they, they go on to say that the White House strongly opposes a provision in the 2022 defense spending bill that will block the Pentagon from dishonorably discharging a service member who refuses to get a COVID-19 vaccine. The Pentagon has described the vaccine mandates as a lawful order that must be obeyed. To enable a uniform force to fight with discipline, commanders must have the ability to give orders and take appropriate disciplinary measures, uh, the White House has said in a statement, which I don't, the, most of the people, I guess, within the White House don't understand that if you're in the military, for the most part, I mean, you always obey the orders that are given to you. The only reason why a lot of these people don't want to do it is because the vaccine that they're, they're rolling out or have rolled out, excuse me, and it's been out for a while. I mean, okay, I always have to say this. Yes, I have it. <laughs> I feel like we always have to. I got it because I want to travel. I'm tired of saying it, but I know if I don't, I will get fact-checked and then they'll crush and censor this thing. But they're, they're, one of the reason why they're, they're so against some some people are so against getting it in the military it's because it kind of reminds me of agent orange no 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 that's a bad way to put it because agent orange um yeah i know agent orange is a good way to put it because they didn't know what the side effects were of that it's actually ended up killing a whole bunch of vietnam veterans uh currently because they didn't know what the long-term effects were of agent orange back in vietnam the Pentagon officials at this time have said the vaccine is a necessary step to maintain military readiness and that's literally exactly what i said yesterday if they do not do it and they have 10% of the military that says no. That's not unfeasible for that to be a number. 10% of, say, half a million or a million people don't want it. I mean, that's fifty to 100,000 right there that say, no, I don't want to do it. Then you just lost military readiness 100%. And now they're trying to – the White House is going to use the fact this, – so this is a big deal. So if you get a dishonorable discharge, you can't buy guns. You can't buy the guns. You have to literally put on the sheet when you're buying a gun that you have a dishonorable discharge or other than honorable. You can't get like GI Bill. You can't get a lot of the stuff that you were uh, offered when you're in the military. You don't get it after you have dishonorable discharge. You have to put it literally on like when you have uh, applications to get a job. You have to say, yes, I have a dishonorable discharge. So now they're they're making it to where the White House is adding it into the, the bill stating that you're going to get a dishonorable discharge if you don't have the vaccine, if you refuse to take it. So that will force a lot of people in the military that were kind of on the border not wanting to get it to go ahead and get it just because they don't want to get a dishonorable discharge because it will literally ruin your life. It's To me, it's like becoming a felon or a sex offender. For, like sex, You always have to say, yes, I was a sex offender. Well, this you always have to say, yes, I have a dishonorable discharge because you look like a turd if you've had one. Hopefully that helps some of you guys. Uh, if you guys also didn't know, there was an Army officer that actually just resigned. Yeah, there was an Army officer that actually just resigned. Remember, there was one that resigned... Uh, not an army, but he was a uh, Marine who resigned about two weeks ago over the Afghanistan debacle. So now an army officer has actually designed, he, uh, resigned, excuse me, he's a Lieutenant Colonel Paul Douglas uh, Hogg. He's actually resigned over a couple different things. And one of them, he says there's been a Marxist takes o- takeover of the military. 
So this this gentleman would probably know better than than most when it comes to what stuff's being pushed down for training because he's pretty high up when it comes to. I mean, he's been in the service for eighteen years. He's pretty high up when it comes to being an officer, and officers are generally the ones who push down all the stuff for the masses to get training and manuals and regulates. Like all that kind of stuff is done by those paper pushers that are higher up. Cause that's pretty much all they, that's what their job is. He said that resigning from the army after 19 years of service and foregoing his pension primarily because of Pentagon's mandatory COVID-19 vaccine vaccine order for all us service members. And uh, of course of the Marxist military takeover, he says he listed multiple other reasons for his resignation that included what he views as an ideological Marxist takeover of the United States government at the upper echelons and a complete lack of confidence in the Biden administration, which he blamed, of course, for Kabul terrorist attacks that killed 13 U.S. service members. So it's really, I mean, the writing's on the wall. I mean, this is, he's not the first, I mean, these are two high-ranking officers within the military that have literally gave up their service and their pensions and their retirements because they do not trust the Biden administration to do anything right. And because they're being forced to have a shot that they're not really exactly too confident in. So his wife came out and stated that he did not resign over a vaccine. He felt the vaccine was being used as a political tool to divide and segregate Americans. So there you go. You have a uh, another officer that is down and out for the count due to the Biden military. So the, the other thing is, is they're losing all these quality individuals, all the ones that have been to war and actually led in war and fought in war and whatnot. And they're losing him because of incompetent leadership at the highest top and highest pieces of the military, along with this COVID being political as it, it can be. There's that one. There's also a really interesting one I'm going to bring to the front here because it's actually kind of related somewhat. It's military at the same time. Let me, let me find it for you guys. So we talked yesterday a little bit about PayPal and social credit system and whatnot. One of y'all have actually tagged me on Instagram. If you guys don't follow me on Instagram, hey, social, social plug here. Rob Turkla. That's it. Just go follow it. That's on Instagram. So just hours after launching our campaign for Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, it has been deplatformed by, by PayPal. So you guys know what Eddie Gallagher is. A lot of people know who Eddie Gallagher is. Retired SEAL. Went through some stuff about Iraq that came out. I'm not going to go into details about it. But anyway, we're going to just talk about this for a second because this is kind of crazy. Yesterday, I talked about social credit system and whatnot. And today, it came out again, which is so crazy. So he was trying to raise money for Lieutenant Colonel Scheller. This is uh, Eddie Gallagher, but it states this is directly from PayPal. After a review, we decided to permanently limit your account as we found potential risks associated with it. As a result, we can no longer offer PayPal services to you. Any bank or credit card information that's linked to your PayPal account cannot be removed, nor can it be added to another account. You can still log in and see your account information, but you can't send or receive money. Here's the crazy part. So remember when they, they said they could take literally complete control of your money at any point they'd like to? If you have any funds in your PayPal balance, it will be held for 180 days. After that, we'll email you with information on how to access your funds. So they're going to hold this money, whoever donated money into this thing, for six months. There you go. If you guys didn't know, that just happened as well. So it kind of goes back to what we were talking about yesterday with China going into Canada with their social credit system because they have one. And now PayPal has literally almost the exact same thing. They can limit anybody they would like to. I mean, I could be limited at any point on this podcast and my YouTube channel. That's another reason why we've actually separated the two is because a lot of stuff that's going on behind the scenes that you guys don't really even know about, which hopefully we'll talk about here in a couple of weeks. Flair and I have been going over some stuff for the past almost week now, actually. We've got a kind of a good plan in place. I don't know exactly if it's going to work, but we've got a plan to hopefully mitigate some of the censorship and them not allowing certain things. It's just kind of crazy how they're able to do this because there's no other platforms out there really. 
a lot of people could say go to Rumble or go to Parlor, but we saw what happened to Parlor. Parlor was literally shut down by the App Store, and now they're irrelevant. Like they can literally take anything that starts to grow and smother it. So we have to do it a certain way. So hopefully we can do this correct. So we got two tales for you here of the COVID out- outcome. This one's not going to be too long because I feel like COVID always comes up all the time. Because the thing is, when I go on a CNN site in the morning, it is literally just COVID. I'm not kidding when I say this. You can go on their site and half of the article headlines are literally COVID and trying to like fear monger people into being scared about something that is, is there's no fear really to be there. Like over the same con- content within articles from two different sites. One's not Fox. I don't remember what the other site was called Axios or something like that. And it's literally giving the same stats, but it has two different headlines. And I'll, then I'll let you guys understand here in a second because I'm going to speak about it. But this is what CNN says. We are not out of the woods yet. Experts see and expect U.S. COVID cases to climb in, in the coming weeks. And I was like, oh, God, is it really? Then I, I, I went on the read. It says new COVID-19 cases have been on the decline over the last week. And I'm like, OK, so why'd you just instill fear on the world that are just going to read this headline and scroll through? And while that department is hopeful, one expert is warning that it's not time to let go and let down our guard with the Delta variant still spreading in its winters on the way. We are not out of the woods yet and fully expect case counts to go up again across the country over the weeks and coming months. I read that and I was like, oh, God. Okay, so basically they had their whole week or two weeks of headlines stating and stealing fear on people that COVID was spiking and we're, it's never going to end. And now that it's coming down, they want to make sure people know it's coming down, but yet still be afraid. And I was like, oh, God. Okay. And then literally the next article that came up was, some experts see signs of hope as COVID cases fall. Literally, the exact same, except this time. The funny thing about the CNN article is they have zero, zero stats on the, on the, they literally, that's the other thing you guys got to be aware of. There's never any stats. They never show any stats on anything. I'm not just saying CNN, but any kind of news article, if they don't show any stats, then it's basically just an opinion to a certain extent, correct? Actually, this one doesn't state its opinion. Usually they say if it's opinion or not, but it doesn't. But this one right here has stats all over the page. It says, the big picture, the next few months are highly uncertain and some localized outbreaks are all but guaranteed, but the U.S. at least is moving in the right direction. I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. By the numbers, U.S. is now averaging roughly 134,000 new cases a day, a 10% drop over the past two weeks. I was like, oh, cool. See, look, there you go. That is real. Now you have an understanding when you can read something and see through all the, all the bull that's going on, and then you can actually find some numbers. Deaths have been increasing by about 33% over the past two weeks to an average of about 2,000 a day. And we all know that deaths trail cases. So it's not to be unexpected. The U.S. has seen a brief moment of progress before. They've never lasted long, but some experts believe that the pandemic may actually keep shrinking over the next several months. So I don't know what experts they are talking to, but it's not the same ones as CNN. So there you go. There's your little pandemic update. Everybody likes to get a little bit of those since we all know at times they could be a little... A little different. But if you guys do not know, Florida governor, yes, that is right. Florida governor says parents can send asymptomatic kids exposed to COVID-19 back to school. This one made me like, whoa, that's kind of weird. That's kind of a strange little headline article. I was like, oh God, I got to click on that. What are they talking about? Then I go to read and it says, Florida governor Ron DeSantis on Wednesday announced that the state has put out a revised rule, which allows symptom-based approach to quarantining students, meaning asymptomatic children exposed to COVID-19 in classrooms could be sent back to school by parents. So if you guys, there's a play on words here, like, do you guys not read the title? Instilling fear once again, 
saying that Florida governor, which they don't, no one likes Florida governor. If you're on the left side, they hate him. And they're just stating that he is literally sending asymptomatic kids back to school. But when in fact, if you read the very first sentence, which is so funny, meaning asymptomatic children exposed to COVID-19 in classrooms, they have no idea if they had it. They're just stating that they could be asymptomatic and they were exposed to it. So, you know, what's even crazier. If you scroll down even farther in this article, Asymptomatic cases may be missed research finds. This is literally in the exact same page. You had to scroll down twice to find it, though. So you guys remember what the first headline article was, or the title of it was. And then you scroll down, and then you find some actual numbers. As many as 9 in 10 cases among students and 7 in 10 cases among staff may be missed by conventional reporting mechanisms, according to research. 9 out of 10 are missed. What did I say yesterday? This is so weird. It's like almost deja vu. I was talking about this. No one actually knows how many asymptomatic cases that there has been in the in the world or you know anywhere. And when they were trying to convey the message that this is this virus is as bad as the nineteen eighteen pandemic that killed the same amount as it has now, except back then we had one hundred three million people in the United States, and now we have three hundred thirty million. So it's not the same. Along with we don't know how many asymptomatic cases there's actually been. So there could be nine x the amount or 7x, which we're about to find out. The case rate was 7% among students and 5.3 among staff in the weekly testing program, compared to a 1.2 among students and 2.1 among staff using conventional reporting mechanisms. So cases detected and expected, the infection rates reported uh, at the county level. So you're telling me there's literally a 5.8% difference. So you're looking at 5.8%. So if we just, we'll just say 5%. It's pretty significant, is it not? Oh, man. Well, there you go. That's how you can read through the lines. I don't really have everything else to talk. I, didn't, I don't really enjoy talking about COVID because it's, it's always just to create hysteria, headlines, and you get clicks at this point. It's, it's so damn political that, I mean, even, even lieutenant colonels in the military are leaving their service because of it. That's how political it's became. So I, 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 saw, this, I saw this one um, this morning, and I think it's just so stupid. It's so stupid to me. So if you guys do know, MSNBC's Joy, Joy Reid dismisses focus on Gabby Petito's case as missing white woman syndrome, which is so crazy. Uh, Gabby Petito's brother, I found out, I was, I was, I was on Instagram today uh, before uh, Charlie, the camera guy, got here. You know, you kind of go down the rabbit hole. I clicked on Gabby Petito's. I was kind of looking at what people were saying. And I saw her brother. I clicked on him and found out that he followed myself and all the Guggen Squad members. So if he's listening or if one of his friends are listening, I hope everything pans out for you. But... I haven't said anything about it because it, it, this case, because everybody's talking about it thing, but I'm going to today talk about it just for a second, just because this right here, what Joy Reid says is asinine as hell. It's so stupid saying that America victimizes white women more than they do black or Hispanic or anything like that. If you're a brother of one of her friends or whatnot, I think if it was my assumption, it seems like the guy at the, out the gate, I never said anything about it. He 100% has taken the coward's way out and I do feel for your family. It does suck. This happens to... A lot of people in America, a lot of people in America don't realize the amount of missing and murders that go unsolved is insane. Absolutely insane. Anyway, uh, it does suck. If you're watching this or listening to this, um, it, it sucks. It really does. That's all I can really say about it. But it does seem like her, her fiance took the coward's way out is the way I'm going to put it. So... It goes, so this, the Joy Reid goes on to say, why not the same media attention when people of color go missing? Let's go ahead and play that clip if you don't mind. On Sunday, human remains believed to be potatoes were found in a national park in Wyoming. An autopsy is scheduled for tomorrow to confirm the identity. 
Now, it goes without saying that no family should ever have to endure that kind of pain. And the Petito family certainly deserve answers and justice. But the way this story has captivated the nation has many wondering, why not the same media attention when people of color go missing? Well, the answer actually has a name, missing white woman syndrome. So my question is, so this lady, Joy, Joy Reed, missing white woman syndrome. My question is, if she believes in this so much, I just want everybody to, to kind of put this in perspective. She's a black lady that has a large following and is on news media. If she believes in so much that this is an actual syndrome, then why isn't she reporting on every single black or Hispanic person that goes missing on her own platform every day? If, it, that, if she thinks it's such a major issue, then why isn't she just reporting on it every day? Like She has a major following. She's on MSNBC. Every day she goes on her little talk show. If she, had, she really thought it was a, that big of an issue and that big of a concern, Joy Reid, why aren't you having a segment every single day for the missing black and Hispanic people inside of this country? Just going to throw it out there. All right, enough of the hypocritical bullshit. Let's go ahead and move on to something else. All right, so FBI has uh, some some fears over Afghanistan. If you guys didn't know this, I, if you guys are new to the podcast or new to the channel, yes, I talk about war stuff, military stuff quite a bit. Most most of these podcasts will have some some of it in it, and I think it's such a big thing. A lot of people don't think that war is a they they think it's going to go away. There's a lot of softies over in the on the West Coast that really think that it's that war is not needed and peace is the only well peace would be great, but the thing is that's not the way this world works. It never has worked. It's never it never will work like that. That's not the way this. It's just not the way it spins. War is always going to be here. We always need to be the dominant power in the world to be who we are. And for you who is listening, we have to be the dominant power to be able to listen to this kind of stuff. Because in communist China or anywhere else, you can't do this kind of stuff without someone knocking on your door and throwing you in chains and throwing you out in the middle of Siberia or something. This is literally, this is America right here. Coming through this awkward looking mic that shoved in my face. So anyway, FBI director fears Afghanistan could be a safe heaven for uh, just terror groups in general. So law enforcement officials are concerned Afghanistan could once again serve as a staging ground for terrorist groups following a chaotic U.S. withdrawal from the country. So I've already stated this. I don't need to go into more depth than this. You can't get accurate intelligence unless you have boots on the ground. It's impossible. We all know this. Or, well, I'm not going to say we all know this or it wouldn't have happened. But anybody with common sense and some actual military intelligence and like that's done stuff like it literally is common sense. They go on to state this. We are, of course, concerned that there will be an opportunity for a safe haven uh, to be recreated there, which is certainly something we've seen in the past and allow a foreign terrorist organization to operate more freely in the in the region. This is, by the way, I just want everybody to know this is the FBI director. When we were filming this podcast yesterday, they were actually in uh, talks like actually in Washington about all this. And so I couldn't really talk about it. He goes on to say, we're concerned that ISIS-K can take advantage of a significantly weakened security environment to operate more freely. This is, this is why it's crazy. And I, bring the, I wanted to bring this article up, or what he has said, not really just the article. I have been saying this, and I said this literally in the very first episode, three weeks ago. And now you have the FBI director, three weeks later, saying this. Like, this should have been the very first public thing that came out from the director at the FBI or anybody that's actually has any, any sort of half, half-witted intelligence to actually, this, they should have just said it, this is what it is. We're also concerned that events there can take as severe as a, uh, as a catalyst to inspire terrorists, whether it be members of a foreign terror organization or homegrown violent extremists to conduct attacks. Yes, if you, this, this is another thing. Think about it. If terrorist organizations and terrorist groups 
chalk up a bunch of wins against Americans, which they did. They chalked up a major win. Biden said that he killed some ISIS-K. As we do know, he didn't do anything but kill an aid worker and some children. So if they, and then, and then which is even crazier is they admitted they were wrong and they didn't go and attack anybody after that. Like they should have went in and just absolutely hammered down on some, some, some camps, some, some training camps or something, do something, hinder the movement of these things and these terrorist organizations, not to have so much freedom of movement within the country, make, instill some fear on them, put some fear into the put fear of God into them. You know what I mean? Like actual God, not the one that they're, they're praying to every single day, like instill some fear and just just make them shiver at night. Make them worried. Right now, they're not worried. Most importantly, we're concerned that foreign terrorist organizations will have an opportunity to reconstitute, to plot, conspire in a space that's much harder for us to collect intelligence and operate against than was uh, the case previously. And you know why? Because we're not there. No one's there. No one's literally just walking around like they are at the border right now, which is kind of crazy. Like this, I don't know why no one's even talking about this. They're so worried about the like spending bills and police reform and like stuff that really doesn't matter. Like the stuff that really doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Let's think about it. Does any of that really matter if you can't keep yourself safe? All right, let's move on. If you guys do not know this, China's actually uh, doing more China things. They sent uh, 19 fighters towards Taiwan in a show of force. Yes, they sent 19 more. Uh, I think it was the same day. So. That, the, that Taiwan announces tension to join the 11-nation Pacific Trade Group. This is kind of crazy. So China sent 19 fighters jets toward Taiwan in a large display of force Thursday after the self-governing island announced its intention to join an 11-nation Pacific Trade Group that China has also applied to join. If a lot of you guys don't know why China is, is a big deal right now. I, I, a couple podcasts ago, I do, I do speak on it. I'm not going to go super in-depth on it because a lot of people have actually heard me talk about it. They listen to this thing. So I'm just going to kind of slide over because Japan's also worried about China at the same time because they also say that China's military expansion can threaten Japan's peace and prosperity. So this is Suga. Suga. That's what he warns. So China's changing of the status quo with its military powder in the background could present a risk to our country's peace and prosperity. That is uh, the Suga who's in charge of in charge of Japan. Japan's worried because they're kind of stuck in the middle of everything and actually kind of crazy is they're trying to become more uh, closer ties and try to be closer with, with America as a whole. I was reading all the way through this. And that's pretty much only the, the pieces I could sit here and talk about that made any sense. But China is threatening Japan, uh, not in, in Taiwan, of course, at the same time, but they're threatening Japan by all this massive army they're trying to build, and which is kind of funny, which got me to actually start doing even more research. And if you guys did not know, I believe it, it almost seems like it has to be coming from the top down. It always comes from the top down. This is actually in the Army Times. I don't even know how I stumbled upon it. I was I was just kind of like sifting through China articles, and I find this. And this is this is a pretty this is the this is the one that you guys clicked on this this whole thing for. I don't know. Hopefully, it doesn't take me too long to go through it, but it is good. Okay, so the Army wants you to get smart on China's military structure in Texas. So what he's talking about here, or what they're talking about, this is the Army Times. So it's actually distributed out in military bases and such. It's literally a newspaper that if you go to any gas station in the military bases, like AFES or whatever it is, uh, which that's all what's on base. If you just go to all the AFES, the military times is always sitting up front. You have the Marines, Navy, Army, so on and so forth. They're always up front. They're everywhere. They're not, they're not, I mean, when I was in, they weren't, they were digital, but a lot of people still just, I grabbed the newspaper up there because 
I mean, they were just there. Anyway, this was this is being pushed out to the military. Army has released a brand new comprehensive and unclassified assessment of China's military strategy, structure, capabilities, and tactics in early August. So why would the Army be doing this? Why would they be searching? Because they're trying to gain some intelligence on who they might actually be fighting in the near future. So Chinese tactics is literally a new technique publication, 7-100.3, that is part of a series of publications aimed to provide updated, unclassified assessments and tactics of China. The Army released a manual on North Korea tactics earlier this year, and Army officials have said that these are similar guidelines forthcoming to analyze Russia and and Iran's tactics as well. So they're literally taking our highest known enemies in their putting assessments on their tactics and what's going on at their military and distributing it out for everybody in the military to read and learn about. The 252-page document serves as a foundation. Let's think about that. Somebody spent that much time and resources and built a 20 or 252-page document that serves as a foundation for understanding how Chinese ground forces think and act in tactical operations. They have compiled it from intelligence products, translated Chinese military doctrine, and other sources. So they literally went through translated all the China materials and then now they're trying to, to to put it together and have an understanding for it to distribute it out to all of the army. People's Liberation Army thought has evolved in recent years to acknowledge that China may have to become involved in a local or regional conflicts in order to maintain the regional or international economic order, protect the CPC or otherwise support Chinese economic and political interest. So there you go. That's a pretty big one right there to acknowledge that China may have to become involved in a local or regional conflict. The publication also explains that the PLA and China militia have been downsizing somewhat for decades in pursuit of modernization. A quality over quantity approach will not sacrifice a massive manpower advantage that drives the PLA tactics. This has got my camera guy a little worried because I always tell him I'm going to go dump him off at the recruiting station. He might be end up in World War III fighting China or something. The report highlights China's missile and rocket capabilities as well. The PLA even has a rocket force as a branch of its military described as the largest missile force in the world, operating well over 1,000 short-range and medium-range ICM uh, missiles and over 300 long-range cruise missiles. Amid recent reforms, the PLA Army has transitioned to a brigade-driven organization that has almost entirely eliminated its operational divisions and corps headquarters. So, if you guys do not know, the military, the Army itself, they have uh, brigade combat teams, BCTs. That's how we operate. And I say we, but that's how we've all... Well, you know what I mean. The Army's always operated. It is entirely possible that China was influenced by BCT organization when designing its now CABDE is what it's called. And it goes on here, if you guys can see, which you guys can't see if you're not following the YouTube channel, but here's the actual image. It shows a comparison of PLA. This is literally the most military-looking table I've ever seen in my life. And it just says how they maneuver battalions. Uh, they have our like what they have inside the armed brigade compared to ours. It's somewhat the same, except they have like air defense, I guess. Man, this I, I find this stuff kind of interesting, uh, mainly because maybe because I did it for a long time. But airborne air assault and spec ops. So this is what China's got going on over there. So the PLA Air Force has a rapid response airborne corps that is intended to deploy light strategical mobile ground forces that can bri- that can provide a significant military presence anywhere in China in a very short period of time. The Corps' manure assets include six light brigades, a mechanized brigade, and an air assault brigade, and a special operations forces brigade. So they're literally just building it up so if they ever have a land invasion of some sort, anybody tries to attack them, they can quickly react and do whatever is necessary, which is fairly smart, I guess, if you're China. Why wouldn't you want to do it? 
Then it has an awesome picture of a guy screaming, holding the knife like he's about to stab his counterpart. The PLA Army has also added two air assault uh, brigades, raising China's cross-branch total to three. China's special operation forces are utilizing differently than uh, U.S. counterparts. The manual explained, if you guys do not know, U.S. special operations travels around basically, just imagine the world, sets up little militias, trains them. So we have a ton of little militias basically all over the world. And we train a whole bunch of allies, special forces, and stuff like that. And stuff. It goes on to say that PLA, or Chinese, soft brigade operates generally do not focus on training or interacting with foreign militaries, like I was saying that we do. They instead focus on direct action, deep reconnaissance, and commando operations in support of group army operations. The, doc- the document reads that soft brigades, which is special operation forces brigades, are more similar to U.S. Army Ranger light infantry and long-range reconnaissance units. Okay, so that's exactly what they are. When I was reading through this, I knew instantly what, what they were going after. They're the equivalent of trying to build the Rangers and LARP units. We've had these kind of things inside of our military for quite a long time. Rangers go all the way back to uh, World War II. And I think LARP and the, the, that kind of stuff, I think that mostly started happening. I don't want to say, but probably Vietnam is when that started happening because it was more unconventional. What, what they're just building here is exactly what we have. We've had for a very long time and we're really good at it. If you guys do not know, Rangers, DA, SEALs, DA, Navy SEALs are direct action. A little bit different. They do a lot of like water stuff, but over in Afghanistan, still the same thing. If you put the SEALs and the Rangers, I mean, they, they had somewhat of the same job in Afghanistan, just DA missions. That was it. I worked with the SEALs for six months and SF for, no, excuse me, six and four, something like that. I don't recall. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, when I was over there, it was the same thing. SEALs, DA, Rangers, DA, SF, training local militias. Um, but they all ended up kind of doing somewhat the same thing. But in a, in, in a nutshell, DA is, is all what they're, they're talking about here, which is Army Ranger units. And that's why they brought up Army Ranger, Ranger units because this is in the Army. And I'm not saying that SEALs and Rangers are the same thing because they're not. It's just they both do DA missions and direct action, like snatching grabs, essentially. So another key part of China's approach in fighting is uh, actually system warfare. The manual says, it says that system warfare is an act of targeting, disabling the enemy's capabilities, such as communications, information system, and ISR, to create a favorable condition to isolate and overwhelm uh, enemy ground units. So... What would that be? We have these dishes in the military. Well, that's not the same thing, I guess. Basically, just to take out ISR, which is drones, stuff like that. So we wouldn't be able to use them if we're in a ground conflict. It is essential for the Army, especially for the regionally aligned elements, to thoroughly understand the adversaries they are most likely to encounter in future conflicts. This is what the Army is telling their people, by the way. just want you guys to really realize this. So I want to re-say this again. This is coming from our, gov- our, our military to our military personnel. It is essential for the Army, the U.S. Army, especially for regionally aligned elements to thoroughly understand the adversary they are most likely to encounter in future conflicts. Yes, in future conflicts. TRADOC is overhauling doctrine governing opposing forces in the Army's training centers to incorporate the material. For the Army to remain ahead of its adversaries, training against a robust and realistic threat for a task proficiency is essential. So they're all but a saying here and all but like literally putting it in in writing for the world to know that our military and our government is prepping for either war with China, Russia, North Korea, or some type of conflict that could be happening involving them. So our military has an understanding of exactly how Chinese military works and operates and which is kind of crazy. It's not crazy in the sense that China would do exactly what they're doing and copy the United States military because we are the most powerful military in the world. You wouldn't just go copy 
say France, or you wouldn't go copy, I was going to say South Africa, but I don't even think they have a military. I have no idea if they do. But you wouldn't just go copy some random country's military if they're not, you would copy the most powerful one if you're number two. Now, with that being said, they have absolutely no real, it, there's no advantage to them copying us in a sense because we've been doing this for so long and we've been fighting in actual wars. And a lot of people think that we've lost these wars. We didn't really lose. They were politically lost. They weren't actually lost by the people that were fighting in them. We could have 100%, if they took the, the reins and they un, untied our hands, those wars would have been over with in, in a few years. It, like, I'm not even kidding with you guys. You guys have no idea the military capabilities of the United States government. It's, it's absolutely insane. The things that we're capable of doing if the, if the reins are just, not like the reins are talking about down on the border with the guy holding his horse. You know, that's, not those kind of reins. I'm talking about just take 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 it off. Just let them do what they're going to do. Everything's got to become political when it comes to doing those kind of uh, missions overseas when I was involved. But anyway, there you go. So that's what's going on. And I promise you guys there's more There's more to this than what's being said. I mean, I could imagine the stuff that's going on behind the scenes that they know. I mean, I'm literally talking about stuff that is public knowledge for the most part. Like a lot of people, I mean, they should be talking about this, which is crazy. It's not even on Fox, CNN, or anywhere else. I don't know why they're not talking about this. This was put up September 1st. This was probably put up on September 1st. It was like three weeks ago. And I'm the one that's just finding and talking about it. Maybe it's because the Army Times is small. Small in comparison to everybody else. I have no idea. Here you go. If you guys didn't know, there you go. Now you know. We are we are behind the scenes prepping for a war that is unknown. Well, it's, it's kind of known, so... Hope you guys had a great day. Have a great week so far. If you guys are new to the channel, thanks for subscribing, watching. If you guys are on podcasts, Apple, whatever it is, thanks for listening as well. Follow those those platforms if you're on them. If you want to listen to this podcast as you're on a drive, you're watching on YouTube. I do love you guys. I will see you guys tomorrow. You have a great day. See you guys.